Well, swords are gay, swords are gay, swords are gay, swords are gay, swords are gay. It's Homo Sword Perrier crossing swords, sword noises. <laughs> clang, clang, clang. Uh, issue. Uh, it's issue 159. It's chapter three of Crossing Swords, and I am Kalen. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. I'm Brent Wingate. And I'm so, so, so excited. Uh, we have a special guest this week. It's Chandler from X Reads Podcast. Chandler, introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. This is Chandler with X Reads the Podcast, or as now we've renamed ourselves X Reads and X Men Experience. <laughs> but either way, we, I'm very excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I love this idea. I love, um, you know, Ten of Swords and what's happening. So, a crossover in comics, a crossover in podcasts, I'm here for it. We're so happy to have you, and we love a good rebrand. So, uh, glad to hear that. <laughs> So first up, we're going to have Ryan do a quick recap of the first couple of chapters of Ten of Swords, and then I'll do a quick recap of chapters three through five, which is what we're covering today. And then Adam's going to do lead us in a discussion. Absolutely. Thanks, Kalen. Um, so previously on Ten of Swords, a war is being waged between Krakoa and the ancient island of Arako. Ten champions from each side will compete in a contest of swords for control of both worlds. But first, bitch, we gotta get some swords. <laughs> so uh, this week we had chapters three through five. It was Wolverine number six, which was chapter three, and X-Force number 13, which is chapter four. Both were written by Benjamin Percy and illustrated by Victor Bogdanovic. So it felt like it was like one big issue. And then Marauders number 13 was part six, which special guest writer, Vita Ayala, who's going to be the upcoming writer for New Mutants, as well as the new series, Children of the Atom, uh, with regular artist Matteo Lali. So just quick recap of these three issues. It's the quest for the swords, and this specifically the Muramasa Blade and Skybreaker. In Wolverine and X-Force, Logan heads to Japan, and then eventually to Hell to get the blade from Muramasa himself. There he meets the Arakan Dakin knockoff, Salam, <laughs> who has been tasked by the Four Horsemen to get the blade himself. They team up, kind of. They uh, fight the hand. It will somehow become even more demonic. Turns out not, there's not one, but two Muramasa blades. Uh, and Wolverine gets one by making a deal with Solemn. We'll get to that in a second. Brent? No, no, no. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. All right. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, Storm heads to Wakanda to get Skybreaker, the holiest of all weapons in the African kingdom. It'd be a pretty short comic if Queen Ramonda and Princess uh, Shuri just gave her the blade. So Aurora remembers that she was once a thief and she decides to steal it for the greater good. She and Shuri get into a fight, it being an X-Men comic and all, Storm wins. She runs into T'Challa on the way out. He lets her take Skybreaker, but then orders the gateway from Krakoa to Wakanda be destroyed. And now we have three of uh, the swords for the Krakoan champions. Brent. Well, I wanted to say, bitch, we gotta get some swords would be the hottest game show on Krakoa. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they go to, I, we go to the audience, we gotta get some swords. It, it's definitely their like big brother, I would say. It's like, <laughs> everyone is like, who's gonna get a sword? When are we gonna get a sword? How are we gonna get a, it's, it's that, yeah. It wouldn't be like, let's make a deal for swords. Like, who's you, the host gonna, of this? That's Ajax. Uh, he, he's a mutant. He was a mutant. Yeah, funny story. Yeah. <laughs> no. I imagine them having like a raffle ball 
uh, like roller, but it's just full of swords. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> very dangerous. Good to you again. Mm -hmm. And he's like, and the winner is he's pulling it out, like cutting himself extensively. And he's like Wolverine. <laughs> yeah. Oh I just imagine, you know, when I don't know if you guys watch RuPaul's Drag Race or any of those shows where there's I'll reality you. shows, you. and they're like, <laughs> go and they're like, go grab what you can off yes. the craft table and the rack, and who? I mean, the, just imagine all these people rushing and just grabbing oh. swords. Who cares if they get cut? They just need the swords. Oh yeah, Chandler, you're totally right. It's like uh, swords on a dime is what it's called. Yeah, right. Sword <laughs> scramble. They cut, their, they cut their hand and sword, and they're like, that will never heal in all of eternity. <laughs> <laughs> it's a souvenir. I lost a piece well, of my <laughs> Well, Adam, do you want to lead us into a little discussion? I sure do. Opening question. What do you think all those sword bearers do while they're waiting at the <laughs> circle while everyone else gets the swords? I had the exact same question. Bitch, oh my God, yeah. Day oh drinking, day uh, drinking. That's what yeah. they're doing. They're having mermosas. Um, I, it's, it's very clear that Magic is pissed that she got her sword. She already had it. Like, because she is waiting there so mad. She's just like, should I have gotten like a long snack? Should I have gotten maybe a nap before this? Should I have, like, she's so pissed. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I'm on her side because like, Gorgon already has a sword. So just show up. You know what I mean? Like, I'd be pissed if I was any of them. No, he's just a wait. drama queen. He's just going to come in, make an entrance. I mean, come also, on. Also, it's three fucking days. It's three fucking days. Brent, what were we going to say? Well, it's just like like back when you had to stand in line to get like a ticket for anything. And Magic got in line first, and now she can't lose her place in line. She has to <laughs> stay there and wait for all these people. So they're just camping out like it's uh, Black Friday. Does <laughs> some... Yeah, I was just, yeah, I was going with the, the, the waiting around thing. But the thing with Magic, I feel like she's going to regret that she stood up first. Because she's like, ooh, there's a crowd. People are looking at me. I've got a sword. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's do it. <laughs> Whatever she says, sound the war drums. And then she's sitting there. She's like, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Why did totally. I have to do that? Yeah, and in the meantime, she's like, I got to pee like a fucking racehorse. Like, I, uh, are you kidding? Can, yeah. they she, Can they leave? Can she? I have a question. I don't think Does they can she, leave their little circle. Can't she just magic her urine away? <laughs> she can teleport her urine out of there. I don't know, mm -hmm. right? Just Hard. In limbo. Hard, what are you doing? That was my second question on the moderator guide. How dare you? Oh, yeah. I was. I don't look at that thing. Anyways, it's, she can. It's, she either, can... it's either that or pee on Rockslide's corpse. Corpse. Oh, I, I don't doubt that either. Too no, I mean, thus yeah. far, just I don't think magic needs to really eat either. She had so much demon, demonic shit going on. She probably learned how to do something else. And Wolverine doesn't have to eat. It, I, it definitely kind of fit for me with the Wolverine storm like timeline. But like the fact that Wolverine went to Japan, went to hell, came back from hell, got back to Krakoa, and then was like, oh hey, what's up? I'm like, this is the dumbest fucking thing I've they've seen. Got, they've got teleportation. You know, plant things now. Yeah. If there's not a scene where like magic is sleeping at some point on the on the stone that I'd be like, okay, I understand that. Like I need that actually. <laughs> it's weird. Uh Chandler. Chandler. 
Yeah. So what I was going to say about uh, X-Force, Caitlin, that I mentioned earlier, I can just say it now. So this ring that they're all standing in, as we know, is made of the body of Rockslide. Mm -hmm. But we learned that originally that was supposed to be Glob Herman. Oh. So were they supposed to be on the guts of Glob Herman? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Like a gutsy my. circle? That would be God. gross. I like it. I love it. Can you imagine? And they're just being like, ew. And all the time. sitting <laughs> in entrails. Yes. I mean, exactly. I mean, they could eat that. <laughs> Mark, that was my third question. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but can you imagine, like, because Polaris very kind of like beautifully scatters rock slide around in this pattern, that <laughs> she just takes like a bucket of glob hermit. <laughs> It's just human chum, yeah. Ugh. That's probably the point where they're like, guys, we, we shouldn't use glob in this situation. Who, who else do we got? Um, on, a, on a more serious note, what did you all actually think of the issues overall? What were your kind of overall takeaways? What stood out to you as your favorite moments? Um, anybody can jump them. Caleb. Um, I... Uh... Brent asked me earlier if I'd had an erection reading Marauders number 13. And the answer is yes, because it was everything I wanted. Um, it was a spotlight on Storm, who has been underutilized in the X-Books for a long time, even during this amazing Dawn of X era. Uh, she goes to Wakanda. She interacts with Shuri, who's one of my favorite characters. And I just fucking loved it. And also, just seeing Storm in her regal white as the ambassador to our emissary to, to Wakanda. And then when she's got to get all sneaky, sneaky, pee 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 pee, she puts on the black costume. Loved it. Love the costume change. Probably my favorite moment in the entire, probably in the entire crossover so far. Have Clark? we seen Storm do anything interesting since um, Wolverine and the X-Men? I feel like she was just no man's landing for what? How many years is that? Six? I don't know. I'm, yeah. This is amazing because we finally get her number one just in a full issue, number two, doing really well and being herself, being like on point and being interesting. Chandler. Yeah. I think obviously the consensus is that the storm issue is the way superior than the Wolverine story. But the yeah. one thing I'll say about the storm issue that made me just like blink subconsciously as I was like, why did she put her hair up to steal the sword? Like, I love how she she's like flying around in, you know, death defying battles about to lose her life, but her hair is wild. But then she goes to steal a sword and she's like, oh, I better put this hair up. Yeah, because she, she wants right. to look it's good, the, Chandler, is why. And she it's does. It's the thief's yeah. way. You have to put yeah. your hair in a bun if you're going to be a cat burglar. Well, it's the I mean, but the minute she took it off, she was beautiful again. She wanted to like, go undercover as a high school student that was like not as pretty as she should, because she could have been. I mean, right. you know when you turn around and your hair hits the lasers and then cause everything to, you know, yeah. all the alarms to go off? Uh, she was worried about bang. that. bang, yeah. Yeah, I bangs so always hit it. Brent. Um, I think I, <clears throat> I really did like the Wolverine story. I think because of the way that they introduced uh, Solemn or Solemn, Solemn um, I think that the way that they kind of set him up as a character is that he is a fuck around kind of guy. And um, the fact that they kind of assumed that he would be, it's a, it's a little bit over the top. You know, you've seen that character a lot before. Like it's a very Suicide Squad type character, I think. But having him go ahead and meet Wolverine 
relatively early in this process, I think made for an interesting contrast of these two characters that they're both kind of these bisexual, um, semi-hedonistic people who don't really necessarily have to, they don't have to follow the rules of society because they've got these, you know, healing factors and long lifespans. And I think that having those two act as foes with each other and setting up this, this um, the fact that to get the Muramasa blade, Wolverine has had to pay some price, we don't know what it is, I think set the stakes up very nicely between those two. Um, I feel like if this was like lesser writers, the, the villains would just be kind of on a team but don't really deal with each other ever. You know, they're kind of like solo entities. I love the fact that all these, all the bad guys, you know, quote unquote, the Araco sword, sword people are, they have past, they have interactions with each other, you know, like he's a piece of shit who murdered her, her husband, that right. kind of stuff. I like, yeah, obviously family connections between Apocalypse's kids and su summoners, what, War's done? I don't know. One of them. There's a lot going yeah. on. <laughs> I love the fact that they seem like real people because they have pasts that we are learning. Yeah. Does is anyone confused by the fact that like everyone has their own sword, blah blah blah, but Muramasa, you're gonna get two, and it, it, like both of you're gonna have the same. But it it was it was weird in some sort of ways, uh, but I kind of enjoyed it because I do enjoy the weird sort of friendship relationship that Wolverine has with like him now. Like I. It's, I want him to stick around. Like, it, it feels like they're introducing these characters not just to be like, oh no, and then I stabbed you in the throat. It's like, it feels like there's something else there. So I, I think on a real note, some of these, like our X-Men friends that we love and know might actually die. And these characters, because Krakoa is what Krakoa is, being like, we welcome all mutants, they might actually welcome them onto the island i'm looking at you iska i think like iska's gonna <laughs> deaf survive honestly she's brent, gonna kill yeah. the lead character of excalibur oh, like, yeah maybe it'll make it better anyway brent what are we gonna say i just think it's amazing that the way that they timed this out was to fall on the same weekend as the wedding of two hell zombies muramasa <laughs> <laughs> blades as <laughs> gift caitlin so um Ryan does have a good point here because um, I, I don't know if anybody read any interviews with Benjamin Percy where he was talking about Solemn. He really is trying to set up Solemn, I think, as a long-standing mm -hmm. antagonist for Wolverine. Uh, and I kind of, you know, poke fun at it in the description. He does seem a little Dawkins-esque. He's bisexual. He's amoral. He seems like a hedonist. All qualities of, you know, you know, Dokken being Wolverine's like quasi son. Uh, but I really did like his sort of his panache. I really liked his flair. Uh, and I think if he is a longstanding villain, he'll be a lot more interesting than, you know, Omega Red once again, or Sabretooth once again, or, you know, whomever. Um, so I, I really do hope he kind of sticks around. Brent? This, uh, reading the little, um, the Annals of Araco and the Trial of Solemn, they like, and just describing his history, uh, to me was funny because it was, super sexual i mean it's the most sexual i think a yeah. lot of dawn of x texas gotten there like he'll fuck anything if it moves and when he gets tired of fucking it he'll fuck something else 
I didn't read that specifically that line, but yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, it, um, it, it is just, in, he's inherently sexual. Um, and it, it goes back to the thing of like, all of us probably identifying as queer, like still go like Wolverines, slightly gay, right? Like we always yeah. do that on some level. Like, and so it's, I, I like the nod to that of like, for us as a queer community being like, it, it's for us a little bit. Are, are they going to fall in love? Basically, they're married. If they both have those swords, those are basically like rings. They're married. No, they're going to they're gonna fuck. They're going to okay. fuck. Wolverine and Wiccan got married, but that was the wedding I wanted, which was Wolverine and Solomon. I didn't even know him until <laughs> this week. The but retcon? Like, that, that was it. The retcon is going to be that the two demons at the wedding were time-displaced Wolverine and Solomon from at the end of Ten of Swords. It's their sort of epilogue and it just creates the cycle for them. Boiler alert, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kind of flipping back to uh, Wakanda and Stormworld, what do we think the fallout is gonna be uh, in the the Wakandaverse, I guess, or just like in general. So the Skybreaker has been stolen. It's been given away by uh, Black Panther, but obviously they've destroyed the gate. It's sort of like leaving it as like a who knows, which I've actually loved because we both mentioned there's a price to pay in Wolverine. There's this relationship with Wakanda. So many wonderful threads being uh, sewn together. So I'm interested to hear what you all think. Uh, Brent. I think it was, I was very glad to see that it was a, a thoughtful consideration of the different power dynamics going on and that there was like a relatively gentle escalation between the Krakoan side and the Wakandan side and that it, the ultimate resolution wasn't this hyper-dramatic, we're at war with Krakoa. It was instead, tensions have changed. There's a huge gap between we're allies and we have to go fight against you. And I'm so glad that this story decided not to push everything to the limit and let things kind of sit on the back burner. Yeah. I, um, I think there's going to be something brewing with, Krakoa, Wakanda, Latveria, and Russia, and then plus all the made up like South American countries or Latin mm-hmm. American countries and X Force. Uh, like I've said before many times on this podcast, the real politics of of Don of X is what interests me the most. So like Marauders was one of the best issues of anything I've read in a very long time. Like all the various aspects of it made me so happy. Uh, it was very uh, akin to um, the issue that I think we all really loved. The It was the X-Men part of Hoxon or Dawn of X was, I try, I try to remember the issue number, but it was where Apocalypse Magneto. Issue four. four. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I know that's where you definitely call that out, Kalen, before. And I 100% agree. Like, well, first of all, I'm just going to go fucking off the wall because I love Storm so much. I hate how since we've started this podcast, she has had all of 10 lines of dialogue that have all been poorly written and poorly mm-hmm. mischaracterized. And so I am just so incredibly happy to have this issue because as an overall plot and narrative con- like concept for the um, crossover, it's fantastic, but then also just so wonderful. And like when, you know, we, we've been dragging out this, like a storm gonna get her own book or not. It kills me because this is such an incredible issue that proves she can manage a main series and really should have one because there's just a lot of cool thoughts um, and just so nice to see her in the main character seat. Um, so I loved it. Uh, and I agree that I love that there wasn't a big bombastic ending or this dramatic Saturday morning cartoons, what's going to happen next. It's more like, 
well, you know, that's politics. Relationships change. Let's see what happens next. Uh, Brent? Adam, you seriously don't think that when a mutant is resurrected and Storm is the person who shouts their name from a hill, that that, <laughs> you think that comes with character development? Was, I mean, yeah. That was, again, that just made, that was like, oh, I hated it. And I, I mean, I loved it at the same time, but it just like, it's just so nice to see her doing things that aren't just screaming for other people. Chandler? Oh, I just want to give a shout out to the artist, uh, Matteo Lully, because he, I think, is a superb artist and he's actually a gem. You guys should all tweet at him. He's very social on Twitter. So uh, he's been a little bud that we've been sharing some DMs, but I love his art and I love how he threw to put these throwbacks into Storm's timeline on the yeah. side pages um, towards the beginning oh, and especially Wait. the moment where you see that she stabbed Callisto in the heart because it just reminds us all be like she's a bad bitch and she doesn't you know if she's got to do it she's going to do it. Ch Chandler to your point like d does that worry you just a little bit meaning like you're reminiscing about Storm stuff on the sides because I'm, like, I'm slightly worried, like, if Storm dies and then she loses the sword, that's going to be, like, an instant fight with Wakanda and, like, Krakoa that, like, no one asked for and no one wants to do, but they would have to do it. Like, it would be, it would be a huge thing. So I'm, like, I'm so scared for Storm because, like Adam said, like, I, and like you said, Chandler, like, I just want her to – be great but also side note her screaming at the top of her lungs just reminds me of the old x-men animated series back in the day <laughs> by the winds of like blah 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 like that's exactly how she approaches every resurrection and i sort of like that so, i'm only yes. jumping in real quick to pull on your uh rupaul reference chandler that like <laughs> you ryan you're exactly right she's totally getting an illumination at it where they're like here's the yeah. entire past of your storyline that we haven't gotten to yet so now you're dead. Now you're gone. Yeah. <laughs> is she is she the only non-white person with the sword? <laughs> Everyone no, else is just no, no, no. Gorgon is not of white. We're, but we're not a hundred percent sure that he's one of them. Yeah. He would be. That's true. Would, yeah, that's good. He point. would be using his swords right now. He'd be standing in that circle. That's what I was wondering. Why is <laughs> Gorgon standing in that circle if he already knows about it and has said that's probably me? I think mm. it's because he's a con. But they're not going to kill the, the one. Oh, you know what? Who knows? Because entertainment. No, I mean, I mean, what? 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 They're not going to kill off Storm. What's going to no. happen is, um, she, if they do kill her off, right. she'll get resurrected and she'll have a different personality, and then mm. become some kind of an antagonist for the X Men in oh, twenty twenty one. I think that's I'd rather her die but... than that. Brent. Uh, okay. There's definitely something that's going to go on with that, that. That Wakandan sword, because they spent a whole page going. Here's all the stats about the sword. <laughs> Here's how strong it is. Don't get it too hot. Um, it, it was forged by this guy. They spent like three weeks making it. Seriously, don't get it too hot. And <laughs> used this way, it was made in a volcano, and that's the place where it's really soft. Don't get it fucking too hot. <laughs> but she's gonna uh, go up against. Is war was war the one the one who's in flames? Was the mm -hmm. flame? Yeah. That's yeah. Okay. Well, then yeah. she's yeah. definitely gonna go up against war if that's the case i i'm slightly yeah. worried that she's like now you have genital herpes all over your body like because it was just like there's sores that never heal ever i was like that's just genital warts i don't know what we're talking about now oh my god i don't know what you're talking about now <laughs> sorry sorry Caitlin. speak on your experience about genital warts go 
hey, hey uh, <laughs> don't stigmatize my SDIs. Um, no, I, I want to just kind of follow up with what Chandler said about like, uh, yes, Mateo Lali is a phenomenal artist and I've just been killing up Marauders. I also want to point out Vita Ayala fucking killed it on this book. Um, 100%. And uh, Vita is non-binary, so pronouns are they, there's them. Uh, we met them uh, uh, last year at FlameCon in New York um, and uh, they were just delightful and makes me very excited to see what they come up with for New Mutants as well yeah. as Children of the Atom, which uh, I think on this podcast, Chandler, we've been a little nervous about like what that book's going to be like. The I'm the opposite. I've been incredibly off. nervous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nervous, I admit, critical as fuck. I haven't yeah. seen anything or read anything or I have zero awareness. I just know it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they tell us. Um, what did you all think of the kind of deep dives on a lot of the other world locations? So we heard about Crooked Market and Fury the Everforge, Sebalith, as well as Mercator. Any, uh, Chandler? So, well, I, I just want to point out that I have, uh, I don't know if these are actual places I've existed in comics prior or if we're just meeting them for the first time because Crooked obviously Avalon, well, sorry? I'm sorry, Crooked Market has been around for a while. It's Alan Moore created it for Captain Britain way back when. Got it. Well, I have a feeling yeah. I'm sure these are all universes or worlds that have existed somewhere in the Marvel universe. And this is now kind of bringing them all together, but I'm entirely unfamiliar. So I have no history or knowledge about them or attachment. So I read those pages like homework. I'm like, okay, so this is this person's domain and this is their style and this is their favorite color and this is the plant of the, the yeah. zone or whatever. And I'm just like, and then I get a little overwhelmed and flustered and I'm just it's, like, it, okay, move Yeah, on. me too. But it's super fun to research though at the same time. <laughs> it is very like Chekhov's other world. Like you're like, all these fucking places are going to be used besides just a homework panel. Because I have the same yeah. thing. I start reading them. I, within the first paragraph, I get the idea of what the world's supposed to be. And then I completely get lost reading the rest of it. Cause it's like very in depth, but I'm like, all right, you got vampires, you got weird furies taking over a planet. You got Merca the someone randomly still like took over that kingdom and didn't tell anybody. It's just like, I just need the, give me the like elevator pitch on each of these places. Uh, Brent. Yeah, I think that it's, uh, it's one of my favorite parts of the way that this is being built out because yeah, that, that deep, the deep stuff about a world you don't really know seems kind of pointless. And I do know the feeling of reading the first paragraph and going like, I kind of get it, but usually there's something else that comes later that tries to qualify it. And so the, I think it's, it's the Sevalith, Sevalith? Vampire yeah. Land. Vampire Land. Um, the kind of question that they set up towards the end of it was their tenuous, allyship right. um, with Avalon. And I think that the kind of question that they're setting up, you know, that is something that will guide part, or is an underlying theme of the rest of the story is, you know, if you set up some allyship with someone, can you eventually just become actual allies rather than based off of your kind of, uh, your, your political agreement? The fact that they actually spent time talking about the borders between those two and how the actual people intermingle with each other, um, I think reflects a more real world view about how different kingdoms and countries interact with each other. Clark? 
See, I mean, I love this because, I mean, my job is digging through history in order to, mm. you know, be able to do some sort of, you know, production, basically. And I, I just love, like, the Mercator one. I absolutely loved because do we even know who the fuck the Telemintes are? Are we never going <laughs> to see them? They're literally just like, sure, we made this fucking name up just so that we know they don't exist anymore. I just kind of, I just love all of it. It's so interesting. The, the Telemintes. They used to be the Telementes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they that were there, such a, and then, nope. That's yeah. such a Jonathan Hickman thing to do. It's like this made-up thing, which has its own history that he's probably made up, you know, in his mind or written down somewhere, and will never get mentioned again. I'm yeah. like, the guy's insane. Mm. I fucking love him. Yeah, right? I'm very Tolkien. I'm so obsessed with his writing because it's, it's just so insane. It's just like, you already know this. Oh, you don't know this? Why are you? Uh, okay, well, I'll explain it kind of, <laughs> like in a weird infographic. Like, it, it's just, it's such insane writing that somehow, like, for the X-Men, it just works out so well. I, I, I'm obsessed. Also, I do love that uh, during, uh, during, like, that description of uh, Mercator, it's just, like, a loud inverted pop. Right. <laughs> was the problem and i was like let me listen to that music because that yeah. sounds fucking great now <laughs> inverted pop i'm all in that's the transition from 911 to chromatica 2. <laughs> chandler what were you gonna say i was just gonna say the these these info pages about all the other world lands gets me frustrated because i'm like okay so what about all the people we were dealing with? Like, what about Zeno and these guys and Russia and their like, you know, power dampening suits? And, like, I'm like, why are we like now on this shiny new thing? I'm just like, I, I, I love that they're just like, don't worry about it right now. Like, we'll do get it. To it. And you're like, I, but this is, these are real issues. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I really, I really appreciate the world building. I just want it to be used as the main thing. Cause what it, it's really reminding me of, and I know, cause we've been talking about it since we started this crossover that we're just, I, well, at least I'm calling it Sortal Combat, but we're just like creating this like fighting game universe essentially. But like reading those pages sometimes feels like when you look at a stage of a fighting game, like I don't really fucking care what was like Shao Kahn's market looked like 50 years ago. Like just get to the fighting, unless it's gonna be used as a story point, which I'm like praying it, it will be, be. but I, it's kind of like in one ear about the other sometimes when I'm reading, cause I don't have the context to connect to how these, these things might affect it. Kalem? It reminds me a lot of um, the, uh, the Song of Ice and Fire books, the Game of Thrones, Clash of Kings, all that. Uh, when I started reading those, even before the shows came out, I remember going to the back and reading all the various houses and like seeing who connected to who. Because I was like, I know these books have so many fucking characters. I need to figure out how they are all sort of interconnected. And even then, I would forget and I have to go back to the <laughs> appendices uh, while I was reading the book. And it's also like when you see the map at the very, you know, first part of the books of, of what Westeros looks like. These will come back. There is a reason why these, these infographics are there. There is nothing that has happened in any of the X books uh, while Hickman has taken over for Dawn of X that has been thrown away. Uh, you know, there's been one line here or there, but like this stuff is relevant for a reason. We saw it all over Hawks and Pox. These are going to be the locations of these battles and they're going to show the 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 um the the settings for all of it well right, right. and I, I guess my question to you all is you've got 22 chapters 23 chapters for this um that's still that seems like a lot of comics but we're already at number five 
Like, I guess my question is, do you think that they're setting these up to then like really continue to heavily use them after this crossover? Or they're just like, they're just setting the stage. Cause I'm like this, when I go back to even last week's, like the whole thing about Merlin and then uh, Roma, I'm like, this is awesome. <clears throat> but if they're just gonna be like random throwaway stand characters while two characters fight for an issue, it's gonna be a little bit disappointing to me, I should say. Uh, Ryan. I, I think what, what they're trying to desperately do is set not only the characters up and like set them up in a right way because I think uh, Wolverine's rival got like a lot of characterization. Right. Like he's phenomenal. They want to set up both characters. So you want, you could potentially want either one to win, but also setting them up in a great location where you're just like, this is fucking engaging as hell. Like, mm -hmm. Hickman is trying to do that with everything. Will it be when you when you look back, probably just a generic sword fight? Probably. <laughs> but 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 they're doing so much to get to that point. And I appreciate that. With that all said, do you guys get a little bit of Hunger Games vibe going on where you're just like, they're on they're on their platforms. They don't know what <laughs> they don't know what area they're gonna go to. They just like have to fight as soon as they get like I, I'm getting a little bit of that. No, okay. Yeah. Well, I I think of it more because I you know I think of that the series of circles as being representative. Like when they say there are the fair versus the foul kingdoms, I don't think of them as being like literally in a real circle. They're more abstractly connected in some way. You could get from one to another, and so like. Yeah, you could have this kind of, you know, uh, you know, Pokemon stadium type fight where, mm -hmm. you know, different characters are fighting on a platform and it's like some part of it falls or whatever. Um, but I, I think that a lot of this to me, going back to locations and whether or not they'll be used, it's more like the story is, Hickman is stretching the story's legs so that if someone wants to come back later and fill in information about what goes on here, they've got some basis to start doing that. Totally, I love that aspect. That's what I mean. Like, I, I actually, want, I really hope that this stuff gets to keep breathing out and that they'll use Otherworld more and have interactions with these, you know, these individual worlds that really have completely own stories to tell based on this wonderful summary they're giving of the kind of what this stands for. Clark? I mean, if Excalibur, um, Excalibur is gonna bring a lot of this stuff in she's one of the two architects of this, you know, storyline. Right. There's she's definitely not right. going to throw this stuff aside afterwards. And we know Solemn's going to be sticking around. I'm assuming like two or three other ones will, you know, fly over to Krakoa or something just into our quote unquote universe. Um, I mean, we're not going to lose a lot of stuff. I, I agree with that. It'll stick around. I will give major credit to Solemn's. Like, I know, I think there was a cut, I don't know which cover it was, but there was like, or like some preview, it was like, Wolverine's new arch nemesis or new arch whatever yeah. and I was yeah. like and everyone and I know like it was even posted on House of X on Facebook and I'm just like how many fucking arch nemeses does this person need but I do really like Solemn so I'm glad that he was being set up as this major character um Wait, another big question is Pog or Pog gonna get the level of detail that Solemn has for his backstory I for sure so this giant dragon thing that just screams and runs around. Who's gonna fight Pogger Pog? Uh, Doug, Ramsey, I think. 
or or to your point like maybe madeline comes back from the dead again and just like oh you're into swords and starts killing everyone on krakoa during the time that everyone's fighting and everyone's watching that ryan keep that in your fan fiction please do you remember I, when the i'm writing it right now yeah do you remember when the ghost version of her like got into some weird bondage thing with empath I'll never forget. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I want maybe she can do a bit of sword play with him. Do it. I just, I mean, I did. They did leave. What is it? Hellions Four had the kind of lingering thought about Nanny. In my fan fiction, Nanny gets a sword. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's the just sword a big bottle. It's just a big bottle. And it's like, right. ah, you want this? Yeah. I'm trying to think who the other person who. As the sword is, um, I already we named all of them. Uh, Magneto, based on the picture, and then yeah. someone else. And the I Cerebro Sword. So strong. Yes. Why did we introduce the Cerebro Sword so importantly, just to not have it be part of Ten of Swords? Right. But but what right. what is weird, Chandler, is they don't name the Cerebro Sword. I know. In, when and Polaris's like thing. Also, side note. Oracles, girl, give me everything. Both oracles are phenomenal. Polaris and that weird woman with no eyes and her her eyes on her tongue. I have the most time for an old That's hat. That's mother. <laughs> I, please, give him backstory. I want that. Um, wrapping us up, what was your shining sword moment of the week? What was the best mm. moment? Brent? I think that there are two moments where Wolverine really showed what makes him so compelling and actually quite intelligent. And I'll only talk about one, which is where he is with Solemn and a Muramasa blade cuts Solemn and surprises him. And Wolverine reveals that the Muramasa blade can cut through adamantium. And I thought it was a very smart, subtle thing that he kept close to his chest because he didn't, he was not gonna give up information to an, an opponent. Yeah. Um, I'll go. Uh, my, my favorite moment of the week. Uh, I love Marauders so much. So, so, so much. And I love the Indiana Jones moment of her being like, well, if I match the weight with this, then, then we can do that. Yeah. I, I love it. It was like, I'm like, you didn't even try. It's just Indiana Jones. I love that. Um, but I thought it was great. And also, her using her powers just like, to be like, oh, you got a sword, Shuri. I'm actually a goddess, and I can electrocute you. But I love you so much. I I loved it, Kaylin. Uh, mine was also in Marauders. Uh, shockingly, um, it's when uh, Storm is first in the court of Queen Ramonda and Princess Shuri, and she's like, I need the sword. They're like, Well, you're gonna have to wait a couple days until T'Challa gets back. Can you chill, have dinner with us, whatever? And Storm's like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll hang out, I'll stay. And then Shuri just gives her like the squinty eye look. It's like, bitch, I don't trust you. Yeah. Like, that was great. Nice. Chandler, I mean, Chandler uh, mine was, um, I mean, I, the, the Marauders was amazing. Storm's whole story was amazing. I fucking loved it. But I, I've mentioned it already. Um, my favorite, my shining sword moment, I guess, was the interaction between Solemn and War. Just, as I said, just mm -hmm. like the creating backstory and creating connections and rivalries within the villains. I really enjoyed. And I guess my shining sword moment was 
when Solemn and Wolverine were in jail and Wolverine was knitting himself back together. And my thought was Solemn just saw Wolverine grow every part of his body right now. And he's fully pan, bisexual, whatever. So I'm just like, I'm ready for them to go yeah. have have a nice date. Yeah. And, and also it's just like, I'm full on at adamantium. And like, you know Wolverine had a boner. You know he had a boner at that point. Mm -hmm. uh with that said with that said uh chandler is there anything you want to see going forward that you want to like give your predictions or anything like that um well i mean i'll just reiterate what i said earlier on the alpha podcast i want to see mystique burn everything to the ground while everyone's off krakoa um and i would love to see betsy braddock get killed because i really don't like her and I wish that Kitty Pride would fight. Maybe she will. You never know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've got I got I've got a laundry list, but I'll let you guys. T- <laughs> I'll let you guys. T- <laughs> well, and I was gonna say I said it during the alpha, and I'll say it tonight. I really just keep writing your fan fiction because I want to read it. It always seems to me the right. I'm like these choices make sense <laughs> of where they should go. Um, so. I actually, I'm going to give a, I was going to like obviously squeal about Storm for my favorite moment, but I'll actually piggyback on Clark's uh, comment because I think way too often the reason why series fail is because, or like crossovers or major storylines fail because of villains. And I, Clark, you're such a key point to make about the fact that they're building out history, storyline interactions between characters where the heroes don't exist or the sort of like mainstream ongoing series characters don't. And I, originally when this started i had such a fear because they're such it's such beautiful artwork it's egyptian inspired it's very like different than i think a lot of the x-men art or x-men villains normally look like and trying to think of them staying consistent worried me but to see them spending so much time with these people during the series as opposed to things like empire other major crossovers we read where people are just like fighting giant droves of enemies i think it's so much cooler and adds so much more to why i think i like this crossover so much um, so, like I said before, next week we're talking Hellions number five, New Mutants number 13, and Cable number five, and we'll actually have our special guest, uh, a return of our special guest, uh, Dylan from House of X, um, but he doesn't matter this week, Chandler matters, <laughs> Chandler, thank you so much for joining us, uh, and spending time with us and giving us fantastic ideas about where this series can go, um, would you like to just give us any plugs or any sort of things you want to talk about before we wrap up? Sure. Well, thanks for having me. I love this concept. I love uh, crossover events um, on in comics and podcasts. Uh, if anybody is curious about my podcast, X Reads and X Men Experience, it is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast of choice, and you can find us on social media at X Reads Podcast. All right. Uh, so we've been home with Superior. Here are our plugs. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram at Homo Superior Podcast, Twitter at Homo Superior X. And you can check out our regular issue released every Monday morning. Plus, you can check out uh, the Krakowin morning talk show, Vicky and Kiana Talking Swords, every Tuesday, where they have a quick recap of all the thirsty thoughts you had reading this week's comics. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.